0: Hey Sinners, Sarah Tonin here, just dropping in with a quick intro. This podcast was originally written and recorded for Spotify, where I'm able to embed some ripper tunes between segments to support the topics, new releases, or particular artists which are discussed. This version has been adjusted to allow sharing on alternate platforms and unfortunately won't include those tracks, which might make my silly segues and transitions just a little bit strange. If you would like to be able to check out the songs that were intended to be part of this episode, jump through the Sin and Steel link tree to the songs from the Sin and Steel podcast playlist or see the track listing in the description of the episode. Hello and welcome to Sin and Steel, the Heavy Metal Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Tonin. And in today's episode, we're testing our heavy metal knowledge with four rounds of trivia. Our topics for this episode are as follows. Round one will be metal in pop culture. Round two, we take a look at a particular subgenre, which for today is going to be power metal. Round three's special topic is into the pit, looking at everything mosh pits. And round 4 we'll be traveling back to heavy metal in the year 1981. Today's episode is packed with music from artists including Ozzy Osbourne, Wind Rose, Man of War, Saxon, Anthrax and more. If you're playing competitively, get yourself a pen and paper, designate your teams and have someone ready on the pause button just in case you need a little extra time between questions. Otherwise, sit back and give it your best shot alone. So let's find out. Are you metal? That was, Are You Metal by Halloween? Kicking it off, we have round one with seven questions relating to heavy metal in pop culture. The first question of the day is, in the early 2000s, Ozzy and his family jumped onto the crazy train that is reality TV with their show, The Osbornes. Afterwards, there were a few different family spin-offs, including, what 2016 collaboration between Ozzy and Jack? What was the name of this particular series? Question 2. In 2022, the Foo Fighters released the horror comedy film Studio 666. In this film, they played the fictional metal band of which name? 3. What heavy metal themed video game stars Jack Black as the main character, Eddie Riggs? Question 4. What's the name of Megadeth's skull-faced mascot? Number 5. There's a heavy metal band who are over 100 episodes in to their own history show on YouTube. They have a history-themed board game and have recently won some awards for their work in sharing of accurate and educational history information. Which band is this? Question six. In the 1998 British film, Still Crazy, which actor played the band Strange Fruits, lead singer Ray Sims? What actor took on this role? And for the final question of this round, question seven. Back in 2011, YouTubers Yogcast were inspired to write a song while playing Minecraft. This has since been covered by the Italian power metal band Wind Rose. What was the name of this song? I'll be back with the answers after this one. That was Ozzy Osbourne with Crazy Train. Which leads us back into question one. What was the name of the show that Ozzy and Jack did after the Osbournes? This was a show on the History Channel which followed Ozzy and Jack as they visited different historical sites and other places, getting input from experts and entertaining themselves with a whole lot of other shenanigans. This was Ozzy and Jack's World Detour. For question two we were looking at the absolutely awesome horror comedy film Studio 666 in which the Foo Fighters play a fictional heavy metal band who go by the name of Dream Widow. There was a limited showing of this movie at the cinemas, so I got to see this one on the big screen and it was fucking fantastic. It had some definite inspiration from movies like Evil Dead 2 with its silly and over-exaggerated gore, some of the typical horror tropes with the possession, and some acting that certainly wouldn't be winning any awards other than just for its goofy entertainment. The music is great and the album released by Dream Widow, yes, you can listen to the whole thing over on Spotify, is so good, it is fucking heavy. To make it even better, you get to watch Kerry King play as a roadie and get electrocuted in the most dramatic way. Uh, definitely a must see. Number three, which heavy metal themed video game stars Jack Black as Eddie Riggs? This was the aptly named Brutal Legend there are loads of awesome video games that are heavy metal themed have heavy metal aesthetics or contain a lot of heavy metal music Um, so much so that i've decided my august episode is actually going to be looking at heavy metal in video games so that's going to be a really fun one make sure you tune in for that question four what is the name of megadeth's mascot this is vic rattlehead or just rattlehead for question number five which band runs a history channel on youtube have a history board game and have won some awards. This is the mighty Sabaton. Their channel Sabaton History is up to 120 episodes at the time of writing this, which includes some heavy metal and music themed episodes. And last year they released the board game, Sabaton, a battle through history. They recently won an award from the Swedish Skeptics Association for Enlightener of the Year. The band said that this award traditionally goes to academics, authors, journalists and media outlets that go above and beyond what's expected to educate people. They credit their passion for history and commitment to sharing accurate facts in the receiving of this award. Question 6. In the film Still Crazy, which follows the band's strange fruit on their reunion tour, what actor plays the singer Ray Sims? This was Bill Nighy and he does a wonderful job. He has the rock star look down, and watching this really made me wish they had him play Stat in Queen of the Damned, because he would have fit that role so well. It would have also removed their need to bring porn in for all the music, because as he showed in Still Crazy, Bill he would have been able to sing his own parts. And the final question of round one, question seven. Which song was written by YouTubers Yogcast after playing Minecraft, and was later covered by Italian band Wind Rose? This was Diggy Diggy Hole. Windrose have a really cool look with costumes that imitate the dwarven armor that you see in games like Warcraft. So for them to sing this song about a dwarf digging a hole is very fitting. I cannot express how much dumb joy this song brings me. I just love it so much. So we're going to give it a listen and it'll tie us into the next round where we'll be focused on power metal. So much fun, right? So power metal is one of my absolute favorites in the heavy metal subgenres. I just adore the fantasy and sci-fi themes and I'm a sucker for some powerful anthems. So for our first question of this round, in the Man o War classic, Kings of Metal, when we think about the lyrics, when they say, other bands play, Man o War what? What do Man o War do? Again, other bands play, Man o War what? Question two. The Halloween album Rabbit Don't Come Easy has how many drummers on the recording? Question three is for the Lord of the Rings and Middle Earth fans. In 1998, which power metal band released a concept album based around Tolkien's book The Silmarillion and the Tales from the First Age of Middle Earth? Number four. Tobias Sammet of Avantasia started out with which band at the age of 14? Question five. What's the name of Symphony X's founding member and guitarist, known for their speed, precision, and unique tapping style? And for question six, which power metal band refers to their fans as the Templars of Steel? If you haven't put your answer down for question one, you'd better do so quickly, because we're about to find out what Man War do. That was Man War with Kings of Metal, and of course, While other bands play, man of war kill. It may not have been the lyric we were looking for, but if you answered kick your ass, then I feel like you should get a pity point because they do also claim they'll do that elsewhere in the song. Question 2. How many drummers were on the recording for the Halloween album, Rabbit Don't Come Easy? There were three. Three drummers. Mark Cross was originally meant to do all the drumming, but only ended up doing two tracks. Mickey D of Motorhead and King Diamond ended up jumping in to do most of the remaining tracks, and then the final two were drummed by Stefan Schwarzman. Stefan's two tracks were Far Away and a cover of Accept's Fast as a Shark. I thought this was interesting because uh, Schwartzman has actually played with Udo and Except, as well as bands like Crocus and Running Wild. Number three. Which band released a concept album in 1998 based around Tales of Middle-Earth and the Tolkien book, The Silmarillion? This was Blind Guardian and has been considered one of their best pieces of work. The album contains not only songs, but also narrations of the stories, which is pretty cool, and the cover has the Elf King's daughter dancing in front of the godlike Morgoth. Question 4. Tobias Summit of Aventasia started out with which band? This was Ed Guy when they were only 14 years old. Apparently, they named the band after one of their favourite teachers. No! I love Ed Guy and Avantasia, so this month's Artist Spotlight episode, which will be out on the 26th of June, is going to be taking a look at some of Tobias's work. For question five, we're looking at Symphony X. What's the name of their founding member and guitarist known for their unique tapping style? This is Michael Romeo who is an absolute fucking wizard. Number six, and the final question for this round, which band refers to their fans as the Templars of Steel? This is Hammerfall. They are another band that I've been lucky enough to see live and they put on a fantastic show. I'm really hoping that they're going to come and visit us back in Australia again soon. Before we jump into the next round, here's Hammerfall with Hearts on Fire. Our special topic today is Into the Pit, looking at all things Mosh Pits. For our first question, in 2007, which band attempted to get into the Guinness World Records for the biggest circle pit? Question two, of the many different etiquettes, spoken and unspoken rules of live gigs and Mosh Pits, there's a particular saying about Mosh Pits that's usually directed at noobs who come in kicking and screaming. The saying is, No what in the pit so we're looking for that blank. Know what in the pit? House rules apply here, and if you want to throw in some creative answers, go for it. Number three takes us to the dark side of pits. At Big Day Out Festival in Australia in 2001, during which band's performance was a 16-year-old crushed to death? Question four. When physicists studied the movements of mosh pits from a scientific standpoint, They were looking at the collective motion of people and how this links to other collective motion in the natural world. They found that there were particular particle types that reflected the same movements. So what particle movements are most like people in a mosh pit? Five, before being dubbed the wall of death, what was the original term used to describe our beloved ritual of parting the sea of crowds and watching everyone smash back together? What was it originally called? And question six, which 1987 song by Anthrax was written after their drum tech hurt his back in the pit? I'll reveal the answers after we go Into the Pit. That was Into the Pit by Testament. Looking at our answers for question one, which band tried to get into the Guinness World Records for Biggest Circle Pit? This was Devil Driver at the Download Festival in 2007. They reportedly got about 25,000 fans to create a circle pit in front of the stage, but the record was rejected as it's impossible to definitively measure the size of a mosh pit because it's not clear where the moshing begins and where it ends. I feel like that has to be even more so when it's a circle pit. Question two, a phrase about mosh pit etiquette, which is directed at the noobs who come in kicking and screaming is no karate in the pit. Next month's main episode, which will be out on the 6th of July, is looking at gig etiquette. So it is something that I want to explore further. But this is one of those things that it can be someone whose experience has come from somewhere outside of heavy metal, you know, from like punk or hardcore gigs, or they just don't know the reality of mosh pits. They might not grasp that it's more about the perceived or theoretical aggression in a mosh pit rather than actual aggression or trying to hurt people number three was during which band's performance at the 2001 australian big day out festival was a 16 year old crushed to death in the pit it's got to be new metal of course with the greatest band of all time limp biscuit yeah this was a 16 year old girl named jessica mccarlick unfortunately while limp biscuit were playing she was crushed in the pit and asphyxiated this isn't the first instance of a death in the pit with the first being noted at a smashing pumpkins gig in 1996 in dublin but many bands and security at events are very well aware of this potential now and they've been known to stop shows if they see things taking a bad turn in the crowd. Limp Bizkit came back to Australia for Soundwave many years later and although I don't know if this is 100% true, I was told that the band were insistent on a number of changes to security and site setup in order for them to play. There were a lot of changes that this reflected. Um, I wasn't even working in the safety space back then But these changes seemed incredibly unsafe and really fucking stupid, to be honest. Um, It included things like having mosh pit areas completely fenced in with big mesh walls and requiring people to go through one main entry where they were checked to ensure they didn't have any bags or anything like that. This meant that instead of being able to easily disperse as needed, people were completely crammed in, they were stuck with no way out other than the entry point or you know, crowd surfing and being carried over the barrier and crowd surfing has been shown to be one of the major causes of injury in mosh pits. It also meant that where there were previously some nice kind of off to the side areas at these festivals where people could still be close to the stage but away from the brunt of the pit and easily clear off if needed, these views were more obstructed so it kind of forced people to either make a decision to go into the pit or resign themselves to not really seeing the stage. So. I was told that those were a result of Limp biscuit. in which case, fuck... Limp biscuit. yeah! Question four. When looking at a mosh pit from a scientific standpoint, what particles do moshes move like? This is gas particles. Physicists Jesse Silverberg and his program accomplices studied footage of mosh pits, transferred the movements into 2D models and ran simulations that showed that mosh pit behaviour is consistent with gas-like movements. Circle Pits, on the other hand, are more like the natural flocking of birds. 5. What was a Wall of Death called before it was called a Wall of Death? Apparently it was called a Braveheart. Which, I suppose minus the pointy sticks, it kind of is, so it makes sense. The Wall of Death originated in hardcore and punk, but became heavily used and popularised in heavy metal, specifically by bands like Lamb of God and Exodus. Exodus have had a particular gig that's been absolutely memed to hell. This was the 2008 Bakken where, while playing the song Strike of the Beast, they parted the crowd, brought them together in one of the most brutal walls of death that we've seen yet. Question six, which Anthrax song was written after their drum tech hurt his back in the pit? This was, of course, Caught in a Mosh. Their guitar tech hurt their back and got stuck in the pit. While being treated by paramedics, he yelled out, Dude, I got caught in the mosh, and the rest is history. The song itself uses the comparison of being stuck in a mosh pit to dealing with someone stubborn and annoying who slowly wears you down. Some critics, on the other hand, read it as a glorification of violence in the pit. Before we stage dive our way into the last round, here's Anthrax with Caught in a Mosh. Jumping into our last round for today, we're going back in time to heavy metal in 1981. First up, which Japanese heavy metal band forming in 1981 were the first Japanese metal act to be signed to a major US label? Question two, it was 1981 when Bruce Dickinson was brought in to replace Paul Diano on vocals for Iron Maiden. From which band did Bruce originate? Keeping the same theme for Question 3, in what country did Bruce make his live debut with Iron Maiden? Number 4, which 1981 animated film, adapted from a comic series of the same name, shares its name with our favourite genre? Question 5, which band releasing their first studio album in 1981 are credited for the creation or at least inspiration for the creation of the black metal subgenre? And our final question for today, Saxon released their fourth studio album in 1981, which features a song about the 1980 Monsters of Rock Festival. What was this album called? I'll be back with the answers after this one. That was Loudness with Crazy Nights, which answers question one. Which Japanese heavy metal band were the first Japanese metal act to be signed by a major US label? This was Loudness. They were signed in 1985 by Atco Records through the management of Joe Gerber, who was also managing Twisted Sister. They've released nine live albums and a whopping 26 studio albums in their career, with the most recent being last year in 2022. Question two, Bruce Dickinson was brought in to replace Paul Diano on vocals for Iron Maiden, but from which band did he originate? Bruce came across from Samson, where he was strangely referred to as Bruce Bruce. I'm really glad that one got dropped. And three, in which country did Bruce make his live debut with the band? This was in Italy. I feel like you would automatically assume it was somewhere in the UK, but no, it was in Italy. Question four, which animated film adapted from a comic series shares the name of our favourite genre? This is, of course, heavy metal. I haven't actually watched this movie because I've heard that it's absolute rubbish. I do wonder if I might have enjoyed it as a team, given its fantasy and sci-fi imagery and the excessive boobage, but I I don't know. The podcast Reels of Steel, that's of with a V, not an F, they rate and rank movies based on their metallocity, looking at the soundtrack, the imagery and inclusion of metalheads. And they actually covered this one in their second episode or their first main episode. They only reinforced the bad reviews that I'd previously heard, so I think I'm even more resolved to not watch this film now. Um, Definitely worth going and checking out that podcast, though, for some heavy metal and film crossover. Question five. Which band, releasing their first studio album in 1981, are credited with the birth of black metal? This was Venom. Bonus points if you know the album, which is Welcome to Hell, There's an instrumental track on the album called Mayhem with Mercy, and it's said that this is from where the band Mayhem actually took their name. Um, They also covered the song Witching Hour on their EP Death Crush. So there's some very clear inspiration there. Question six, our final question for the day. What was the album that Saxon released in 1981? This was Denim and Leather. The title track is a nod to the fans of heavy metal, the subculture, the rise of the new wave of British heavy metal and, of course, the clothing. Two tracks on the album were noted to become two of their most successful, being Princess of the Night and the song about Monsters of Rock Festival, which is And the Band's Played On. That is such a great song. So how did you go today? Did you know most of the answers or did you learn a lot of new things? If you happen to get anyone together for a trivia night, Please take some photos, share them on social media along with your scores and make sure you tag Sin and Steel so I can have a look. I've recently been playing around with adding these to YouTube where I have to put them as a playlist rather than as a podcast if I want to be able to include the songs. However, I've done kind of the first couple of episodes and I'll slowly work my way through the existing ones, catch up, and then I plan to upload any new ones to there as well. So if you do want to listen somewhere other than Spotify or you want to share it with friends that maybe don't use Spotify, um, send them over to YouTube. Thanks for joining me for today's episode. I really hope you enjoyed it. The next one will be an artist spotlight looking at Tobias Samet which you can expect on the 26th of June. I'm your host, Sarah Tonin, and until next time, stay metal.